You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. This is episode 14 and we discuss the latest news about Apple iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple Watch, of course, and more. We're recording on Thursday, April 30th, 2015. On today's episode, we're going to talk, yes, about the Apple Watch again. Our full review is out. We've spent a week with the device and we're going to talk about that. Also, Apple's earning call and the record-breaking numbers there. Microsoft brings Visual Studio to Mac and Windows 10 will support Objective-C and currency, the CEO has been replaced following the news that Best Buy is going to accept Apple Pay later this year. I'm Mikey. I'm Shane. And I'm Stephen Robles. And of course, we're going to talk about the watch. Our full review is out. It was posted this week and um, it's long. I tried to be thorough. Obviously, there's a, there's a lot to say about it. The bottom line is I gave it three and a half stars and we can talk about why. But I thought it was pretty clear. I mean, there's definitely some uh, bugginess. You know, I like it. It's fun. It does some cool things, but it's not um, perfect. It's obviously, this is the first Apple Watch we have, you know, so it's obviously going to improve. But Mikey just got his. Um, so before we talk about real specifics, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I just set it up, like, literally last night. Um, but it's not something that I can, you know, it's, it's something that I could definitely live without. It's not something that... Yeah. I could see myself, you know, needing on a day-to-day basis. And we were all living but without it, it last week too, so it's you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. It's not. It's not going to be a life-changing event for me. Um, it it does make a few things uh, easier, um, especially with glances and the notifications and stuff. Um, but. At this point, it's just really a first-generation product. Uh, has a lot of potential. Right. Uh, we just have to see what the developers do with that platform. So, one of my kind of the the criticisms I had in the review, and people in comments and other journalists have apparently had differing experiences, but it's with Siri. Um, one being that Hey Siri is not as reliable as I'd like it to be, as far as activating when I just say it. Um, and also, I mean, just when it comes up. So, I mean, ha- have your experience with Siri been different, or, or how has it been for you? Um, I've I haven't invoked Siri uh, with Hey Siri yet, oh. uh, but uh, when it it is working, it it's working, and it's pretty yeah. accurate. So, I mean, it, it's basically just like the the iPhone. I, I was concerned that the mic not may not pick up my uh my voice but it does and it works as expected yeah and when when it's it is listening to me i mean it's pretty accurate dictation is accurate um i wanted to use the hey siri more often especially like in the car you know my hands already up on the steering wheel and uh you know activate it so again there's been differing opinions differing experiences so if it works great for you then it's not so much a complaint i i miss the audio feedback and being able to actually send a message without having to touch anything because it won't yeah. it won't say hey you're yeah. ready to send yeah that's um well i mean yeah series is really is really limited on apple watch right now um for instance i you can't go go in and edit events and stuff right and you can create an event like i did last night but it went to the wrong it went to my default calendar and i, and I didn't right. want that so i you know Try changing it, but of course I got the message 
no, I'm sorry, Siri can't do this on Apple Watch. Oh, like reminders. You can uh, create reminders. You can get alerts from reminders you already have, and you can you know create them with Siri on the watch, but there's no reminders app to actually view your upcoming reminders on the watch, and obviously you can't edit it after you create it. So, and obviously, again, we know it's limited, it's on the watch, but still, they're just little tiny things that kind of add up, and I also talked about Passbook, and some people said in the comments that, uh, you know, if you have Passbook enabled, when you get near like a Starbucks or whatever, it is just supposed to activate, uh, and or like you get a notification, then you should be able to just tap the notification and it'll open up the pass in Passbook, and that didn't work for me. I drove by a did couple you, Starbucks. Did you have a do you have location services enabled for that on I, the iPhone? I did. I double checked everything. I mean, I put alerts on full blast. I enabled location services for Starbucks and for background and all that kind of stuff, and uh, it still didn't show up. So I'm not. And I yeah. made sure those stores were my favorites because I know you um, do that too. I noticed that, uh, I don't know what, um, at, at what frequency Apple has set Apple Watch to, you know, automatically refresh and, or, you know, do these ex extraneous services like location, uh, geolocation, um, tracking and all that stuff. But it seems to be, um, pretty aggressive, um, as far as, you know, p turning off those extra features like, right. uh, I forgot what app I was using. What was I using? Anyway, well, whatever it was, it, it was tracking. I think it was tracking my location or something, and yeah. um, it just automatically, you know, shuts off after a set amount of time. But that time is not clear to the user. It's very, right. it's very vague. So I'm not sure what they're going to do. I mean, they have to do that to save battery life, obviously. Right. Um, I mean, and. So I Battery life has been pretty good for me. Um, you know, in the review, I, I posted the first few days I was using it, but since then, I make it through a, a day fairly easily. Um, you know, so that hadn't been a problem. And I actually put it on the lowest brightness, and it's still very viewable. Um, so you could do that uh, as well. <clears throat> but I don't know. I mean, you've only have it for a day, but um, did you kind of run it down yesterday as you were using it? Uh, I j just plugged it in like about a minute ago. Yeah, uh, it came eighty percent charge, kind of like yeah. all other Apple devices. Um, and I kind of played with it around last night for a couple hours. Um, then I put it in my drawer because I I can't leave it out charging because my cat will eat it. So <laughs> uh, I took it out this good. morning. It was around twenty three percent, and okay. I walked around with it. And it just now hit ten percent. So I mean, the battery life is is pretty good. Yeah, and you got the for forty two, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So supposedly it has a little bit of battery life. I don't know uh, how true that is, but as far as the apps too, you know, obviously every everyone who's reviewed the Apple Watch has said you know third party apps are one of the biggest weaknesses, um, and I haven't found too many third party apps that I'm really crazy about. Um, I haven't had a chance to try Uber, which is kind of like the de facto. Oh, everyone yeah, I think Uber. Uber's the best. I accidentally called a car um, <laughs> twice okay. last night just playing with the... Did you see the video from last week of the CNET guy who accidentally ordered an Xbox One while doing a demo? <laughs> nice. <laughs> he was demoing the Amazon app, and he, it was hilarious because he got to the, the part about the, the one-touch purchase. And he said, there's a big one-touch purchase button, and then below it is the add to wish list button. Yeah. And he said, I have to be really careful not to touch the one-click purchase button. And so he 
went down below and he said, I really care, really careful not to touch this and tapped it and added to his watch list. And then he was gesturing to say, I can't tap this other button. And while gesturing, tapped the other button and <laughs> immediately ordered an Xbox One. It was fantastic. Uh, wow. Genius. Genius. <laughs> that is, it is pretty wild that the Amazon app lets you order right from the watch with one click. Um, I really, I want to know how many people are supposed to be ordering from anything from the Apple Watch. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. with da- you know the dash Amazon dash button that was announced a little while ago, like it would almost make sense if the Apple Watch Amazon app was like a dash button, like just yeah. pre-record like three products, like the if this then that do button, which is another app on the watch that you can get that I've used, you know, program like three dash buttons, and like those are the only like you know one tap orders or something like that. Um, yeah, because it seems you know to be able to search for you know thousand dollar product and accidentally just tap your wrist and buy it seems a little dangerous okay just imagine oh go ahead imagine doing the normal amazon i mean for me the normal amazon flow is search for a broad category of thing and then read eight thousand reviews of different things only (laughs) to purchase the first one you saw yeah exactly right imagine trying to accomplish that on a watch so the the amazon app can you does it have that feature where you can automatically cancel it right away on Apple Watch, or do, no. do you have to go into the iPhone app? Then I'm pretty sure you have to go in the iPhone app. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. So again, that's be careful what you search for. I guess there. Oh, you know what other app is good is um, Hue's app, the Philip Hue. Philip Hue, if right? You guys use yeah. I've heard um, that's good. It's really responsive. So, so it works quickly. Pleased, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, again, there's a, there's a select few. I mean, the Slack app is actually decent. You can switch teams and. Are you kidding me? What? Did you just say that the Slack app was decent on an Apple Watch? The Slack app isn't even decent on the Mac. Ooh, well, true. Sicker. But I mean, for of all the messaging apps, like since I can't reply to emails on the Apple Watch, and I don't really use many other messaging third parties, like. I was impressed with the first generation Slack app because I mean you can switch teams with a force touch, which was not immediately evident. Kind of had to figure that out, but uh, to reply to your mentions and direct messages, it's not bad. You know, it's pretty. But how do you? How can you see? I, I guess my thing is Slack is usually pretty high volume communication. So how does that translate to a watch? So you can't see like uh, full channels. You basically see your mentions and you see your direct messages. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you can see like your latest, if people at mentioned you, you'll see your latest those, and then you can enter any DM conversation and, and reply there. So it's, it's limited, but what it can do, you know, it's, it's fairly simple. You know, you have two buttons, direct messages, mentions, and jump into it. So not bad, not bad. Um, Yeah. Again, I think it's just like when the, you know, when the iPad first came out, there wasn't a whole lot of apps that really showcased what a bigger screen is for. And I think that's where the stage we're in now. I think the next few months, especially after WWDC, we're going to see more useful apps. I think the current apps are going to improve. I've been using Marco Arment's uh, Overcast app to kind of remotely mm-hmm. control what plays. And that's okay. It's pretty good. Um, it's the only podcast app that has that kind of feature right now. But even he tweeted out the other day, he's going to totally rework it after actually using it on a physical watch. And again, that's what a lot of these apps the developers did not have a watch to actually build these on, uh, you know, leading up to the to the launch. So the even developers who put apps in the app store, a lot of the third party ones are just now seeing what their app looks like on a watch, and uh, are gonna I'm sure gonna have lots of changes. So yeah, yeah. Um, 
I th- there was an there's a developer that has been emailing me recently within the past two days, uh, complaining about his Apple Watch order because he was one of yeah. the developers who um, oh did got into Apple's special program that gave them the watch that no one wants. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, uh, the thirty was it thirty eight or whatever. Yeah. Apparently, it, it's not shipping out for certain developers. I don't. Know. So some developers tweeted at us and they did get it and others didn't. So yeah. the guarantee was not universal apparently. Yeah. Now have you used Apple Pay on it? No, I just set up my I, I hardly use Apple Pay oh, really? in my daily life anyway. So I mean, yeah. yeah I I use I a, a couple of Walgreens and, and stuff like that that I go through and and that is one it seems even faster using the watch for some reason. I know obviously the phone is pretty quick up on its own. Did uh did give you? Did people like give you stares? I I held it out. The Starbucks people were kind of the most shocked by it because it's it's the passbook pass. So it's just there's the code on the watch face. So like I'm holding my arm out the window of the car and they're just kind of looking at me like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Can you try scanning the watch?" And they're like, "Oh, I didn't know what you were doing." I was like, "Sorry." Oh, <laughs> so and yeah. then once they uh, do it, like they're like, "Oh, that's really cool," but. Yeah. Have you uh, have you gotten any comments on um, how it looks? My my girlfriend says that uh, uh, it makes me look pretentious, but I think that's really? just just how I look. <laughs> you just overall pretentious. Yeah, maybe I, it makes me more more uh, more pretentious. I guess it's funny. I mean, some people. I think I feel like um, ladies are more likely to say something about how they like what, how it looks than guys. Like when guys see it, they're like, oh, it's pretty cool. Um, but I had, a, I had a couple, a guy and a girl uh, saw it. And later that day, I saw them in the Apple store looking at the watches. <laughs> so they immediately went and wanted to know more about it. So I don't know, but not a whole lot. Less, less than I thought. You know, I thought more people would kind of see it and wonder about it, but it hasn't been that much. Yeah, um, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's more on display than than the the iPhone say when you right. know, people first had that. Um, uh, but yeah, I got questions again, all the time yeah. about the first gen iPhone. It's yeah, every single but, time we were at somewhere, I'd be like, is that the iPhone? Right. Is that the iPhone? Right. Yeah. I think it's maybe because it was a whole different form factor and it's this is just a watch. It could be anything. There's so many watches right. out there. I do want to mention um Gruber actually retweeted a photo that someone uh, mentioned him in. It's actually an old picture of Steve Jobs. Um, oh, yeah, did you see that today? Yeah. And it, he has a watch pictured on his wrist. And I don't know how old the picture is. I mean, he's pretty young. So it's a long it time. from the 70s, I think. 70s. And uh, it does, it's a, actually a rounded square watch face uh, with a band. And it looks uh, freakishly like the Apple Watch. Uh, so You mean how, just how uh, <laughs> Mark Newson's... Um, Oh God! What Shane? What was it? Was his company his watch company? Um, iPod. Yes, just like the iPod mm. looks exactly like the uh, the watch. What's well, the it's the band? The bands are almost exactly the same. Bands. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. Shocking. <laughs> so Shocking. I do want to talk about. Uh, I, I will say on a positive note, I was in a meeting today, uh, kind of like one of the big office meetings. Everyone's in the big in the big room as you do. And um, I left my phone at my desk, so all I had was my watch. And I did get a couple texts during the meeting, uh, which was, it was discreet. I just felt the tap. And the canned responses actually uh, worked with how I needed to respond to the text messages. So I was actually able to take care of it right away on the watch. And that was a convenient use case. Like that was, um, 
that was pretty nice. You know, my phone wasn't on the table and everyone didn't see the screen light up. It was discreet, was able to deal with it. So that was a positive experience. And again, there are times like that where the notifications are, are convenient and being able to deal with it and not have your phone, you know, around is nice. Uh, two things before we get off the watch, I want to mention uh, there was the uh, roll, the Apple Watch rollout delayed supposedly because of defective haptic engines. Uh, there were, you know, two manufacturers were making the uh, haptic feedback uh, sensor and one of them was providing faulty ones. Uh, again, Gruber got actually a bad one in his first review unit. And uh, so apparently there's been a couple cases of that. But uh, And I was saying in the review, I wish the Taptic engine was actually a little stronger. And I tweeted out today, there is an option to turn on prominent haptic uh, on the yeah. watch, which basically like gives a pretty like steady buzz or vibration and then the couple taps. And uh, yeah. I actually like that a lot better. I don't know what your experience has been, but. Uh, I had that on to begin with, but I think for me the uh, the normal taps are uh, catch my attention enough. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's for the uh, watch wearers that have uh, desensitized wrists. <laughs> maybe, yeah. But so for those of you, if you if you feel like the taptic engine is not as strong, try that prominent haptic. It's pretty good. And uh, yeah. there was the last thing it mentioned in the review, and uh, we'll say, mention it here. There was the uh, the article that the sapphire screen on the Apple Watch model, not the Sport, and the Edition, obviously, um, decreases the display quality, or it's especially in direct sunlight when you're outside that the Sapphire reduces visibility as opposed to the Ionix glass that's on the Sport model. And I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, I've been using it for a week. I've been outside a number of times, and viewing it was perfectly fine. And it's I never had it on the brightest setting anyway. So I, have you been outside with yours, Mikey? I mean, is it... Yeah, I mean, I haven't had it and uh, no problems with that. Yeah, so whatever that's worth, I, I don't let that sway you. I do like the Consumer Reports video. I don't know if you guys saw that, but they did a um, scratch test on the screens of all the, the watches. And um, the Sport, you know, they rate the hardness from 0 or 1 to 10 as far as what they're scratching the screen with. And the Sport one scratched at a level of 4, and the so that was an Ionix glass, and the sapphire display uh, actually never scratched, even on a setting of nine, which is one under the diamond setting. Um, they still couldn't scratch the screen, so I thought that was so, positive, at least for durability. Was this on the Mo scale? Yes. Is did that they? That is? Yes. Did they try slamming the watch face against something, <laughs> which is how sapphire watch crystals always, always, always break? Now, did you see that video of the guy smashing his watch? I did not. Okay, so someone actually tweeted a video at Apple Insider, and he did that with a sport model, not the oh, well, Apple Watch. It's cheating. So yeah, it really is. But he was like, he was really slamming that watch down, and and he said, it, I mean, he showed it; it never scratched. So if any if anybody's listening and they've never owned a watch with a sapphire crystal on top, they don't scratch at all. Like it's yeah. it's amazing they don't scratch, but they shatter really easily. Like so, if you are. If you're like out walk, or what happens a lot to me because I live in the big city is you, uh, you're walking down the sidewalk, right? And they have, they're doing construction, and so they put up a barricade. It's like over the sidewalk to keep, you know, steel beams from falling on people. And if you're not paying attention and you move the wrong way and you slap your watch against one of the supports, you know, it's like it's total, not totally uncommon for it to shatter. Really? Which really, yeah, which really pisses me off every time it happens. Yeah. So it's it, kind it, of a 
I don't know. There's uh, there's a few different uh, recipes for sapphire, I guess. But I think that have you tried? Um, uh, do, you have, do you own any Seikos? I don't. Oh, you should try. Their their sapphire is really um, uh, not flexible, but I mean it 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 has that hardness, but it also has uh, a little bit of flexibility, I guess you'd say. I, I've never had one of those break on me. Hmm. Of course, I haven't tried to slam it against. Dark, so. <laughs> yeah, so that's interesting. How many times has that happened to you, Shane? Like, were you shattered? Um, in my watch-wearing life, three times. Wow. Yeah. So, okay, so if you're working out, be careful not to slam it against a dumbbell, I guess, or yeah, or against like the arm of the treadmill or whatever. Right. Huh. I mean, it requires like the the, per- the perfect proper flat, you know, slet hit and right. slam, but right, right, know, right. it happens. Of course, uh, we should mention that Shane um, goes to work um, and he runs parkour. So, mm. I do. All oh, right. <laughs> I will say I was you telling. See me. What? No, good. Okay, I did tell the guys my stainless steel model has a slight nick uh, after a week's use. So, uh, for whatever that's worth, don't. Uh, you know, I think. I mean, stainless steel it it does scratch, right? I mean, that's just kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So should, should have gotten the DLC uh, coded version. I could just get a case for it. Oh uh, Jesus! I know they have some of those. So don't don't get a case for it. Are you one of those people who takes really good care of something until it gets the first nick and then doesn't care about it anymore? Uh, I've been guilty of that in the past. I don't think I'm gonna. Do I totally that am. Yeah, I I keep it pristine, and then <laughs> first sign of any uh, compromise in the structural integrity, I throw it in the lake. Yeah. But <laughs> I won't do that here. <laughs> I won't do that here. Anyway, I think that's enough about the watch. I mean, read the, read the review if you if you want to learn a lot more about it. If you have questions, you know, tweet at us and all that kind of stuff. We'll be obviously using them over the next well, forever, how long, and uh, so we'll have thoughts on it. But moving on from the watch, let's talk about the other big. It was I think a big story this week. Apple's earnings call for quarter two, some pretty impressive numbers. Um, Mikey, did you cover this? I forget who covered it. Yeah, we all uh, we all did. we all did. We okay. all did. It was a team effort. Ah, very good. Teamwork. Very good. And so it was sixty-one point seventeen million iPhones sold, and that's a record year over year, I believe. And thirteen point five seven billion in revenue for the quarter, and that was up from ten point twenty-two billion uh, a year ago. So once again, ridiculous numbers. The stock jumped the next day, of course, with all that. And uh, pretty impressive. Again, Mac sales were actually also up. So, And that was 4.56 million units sold in the last quarter. And the one uh, blot, I guess you could say, and that's uh, increasingly uh, or regularly decreasing, is the iPad sales. And it was 12.6 million units this quarter, a decrease of 23% from year over year of last year. So I mean, this is kind of a regular thing we're seeing. iPad sales are on the on the downswing, and I don't know if you guys have any theories on that. I mean, I don't think it's worrisome. I I do think we have yet to see what an iPad cycle looks like for the average consumer. I don't, uh, aside from people who are really into tech, I don't know a lot of people buying iPads, like buying their second or third iPad, like since yeah. they've been out. Um, you know, people who. You know, whether they're affluent, maybe they have new ones. But no, most people, like, I gave my parents an original iPad, and they still use it. And, you know, because they browse the web and do email. Like, that's pretty much it. So, yeah. 
I, I don't think it's really uh, that concerning. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I don't think it is either. I, I totally agree with everybody who says that both the long replacement cycle and the fact that the iPhone 6 Plus exists have right. hurt the iPad to some degree. But I mean, it's not going to... Well, eventually probably, but in the near term, it's not going to go away. There's just no reason to replace an iPad every year, every two years, like there is to replace your iPhone. Right. I would still have my... I kept my iPad too until the iPad Air came out. Right, and a, a lot of people did too. I mean, a lot of people skip two or three generations if they are on their second or third one. And uh, I have an iPad Air too, and I mean, I, lo- I love it when I get to use it, you know, f- for casual browsing, but it's not often. Like, it's not often where I feel like I should use my iPad for what I'm doing right now. Usually what I'm doing, if it's writing, it would be better off on a computer or laptop. Or if I'm just trying to do something quick, usually it's better on my iPhone anyway. So it's a great device. You know, I, I think some people use it as their main computer, but I don't find tons of use cases for it on a regular basis still. Um, I think it's it's a um, it's a leisure device, right? I mean, right. that's sort of its purpose at this. I mean, for a lot of people, I think that's sort of its purpose at this point. There's a lot of buzz going on about oh, you can't create content in my iPad, which is totally untrue. But yeah. while you can, I don't think that that's the majority use case. I think a lot of people use it, like I use mine, which is I'm done at the end of the day. I'm closing my laptop because for me, laptop is it's my main tool. That's how I make my living, right. and for me, that means work. So at the end of the day, I close my laptop, and if I still want to play a game or browse or whatever, it's on my iPad. You know, if I'm shopping for something, it's on my iPad. Right. So for that, you don't, you know, you just don't have to upgrade all the time. Mikey, do you use an iPad often, or? Um, I used to. I used to use. Well, first, I mean, when the first iPad came out, I used to use that quite a bit. Then the Mini um, kind of took over my um, most of my use scenarios which was basically playing games and like shane shopping but yeah. i don't really use it too often these days uh, i'm not sure why just kind of you know yeah something that i just don't really need in my life right now right my wife for her she has a she sells an iphone 5s she hasn't upgraded yet and she also has an ipad mini and for her the ipad mini is actually her primary computer almost mm-hmm. she has a macbook air too but that is not used nearly as much as the mini. She uses it for browsing, uh, chatting, reading, all that stuff. Yeah. So. And my yeah, my wife too. Her MacBook is pretty old. I mean, it's probably six, maybe even seven years old, and it was kind of degrading. And I, we were like, well, I could get you a new computer, but she didn't really need the power of an entire computer for just what she did. So I, I got her an iPad, and she actually, and again, like you're saying, she uses that. A lot of the time, she actually sends Mailchimp's uh, from there uh, for her, like uh, one of the groups that she's in, and uh, so she does some work on there. She does some email. She has a you know a keyboard case kind of thing. Uh, she just uses it, you know a few times a week, and that's been enough. So, but it, she has no desire to get a newer one too because it does exactly what she needs to needs it to. Yeah, I, I think yeah, it you know it does also like Shane said come down to like the um, you don't really need to buy the next generation of device when it already does basically what the last one did. Right. There's not really any killer apps out there that you require you to have the latest and greatest hardware. Um, so these, these devices can last you three, four years. Right. Whereas, you know, like a, a smartphone or like an iPhone, you may actually want to buy one every, every year, or every other year. Right. 
Well, and you think it's like, just not the way. Like the cameras are updated. Um, yeah. You know, the whatever new, like the Apple Pay, obviously, and Touch ID. Like there's usually one or two of those big features that you want on the device you're using every day, like, all the yeah. time. As far as I'm concerned, the only upgrade driving feature that has been added to the iPad since the iPad 2, I'm, I use the iPad 2 as the, first, as the start of the iPad as a mature device, right? Because it had a, a, a front-facing camera and right. it was much thinner and not as you know, generally awkward. But the only upgrade driving feature I have seen is Touch ID. That's the only thing that's come along that would make me say, or that, that actually yeah. did make me say it's time for a new iPad. The only the reason why I went to an iPad Air two, I was using an iPad three, which was the first Retina screen, and mm-hmm. it was the shortest uh, re- refresh rate. Basically, the, the iPad three was out the shortest. Then the iPad four came out just six months later uh, with the Lightning cable and a faster processor. And the iPad three was pretty much the only model aside from the one that was just really slow um, because the processor was underpowered for doing the Retina screen. I feel. Um, so going from that to any newer model iPad was a world of difference. And actually the iPad 2 was a little faster because it wasn't having to push all those pixels. So for that one model, I feel like getting off of that uh, was a big difference as far as processing power. But again, for what I was fine, I used it for like two years and it was fine too because I just, you know, yeah, I, stuff. Yeah. I mean, the um, the one that, that you're talking about, the, the first Retina, they didn't, didn't the the what was that the a six wasn't it a uh, i'm trying to think the a5 was, was a the original 5x? Uh, a5x i believe that may be that sounds right i don't know but I, wasn't it rendering um the screen in two parts because it it was it couldn't it couldn't handle the entire the entire retina display at one time that sounds like it Is might be right? true it was a5x yeah. you're right there yeah and um, because Weren't people experiencing like a screen wobble kind of thing because they were... Yeah. Yeah, I I remember that one. My three also had um, the yellow leakage from the top or whatever, like under the screen. Did it go away? It was supposed to be um, a curing agent, right? Yeah, it wasn't the glue. It was a light leak. Like you you could like see in between. Oh, I I had a problem with that with my first iPad, the the first gen iPad. Right. I had to... I remember going into the Apple store. And the guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I, <laughs> I made him, I made him uh, come under one of the tables with me, and, <laughs> and uh, prove to him that it was, um, you know, there were these like streaks. And I said, Oh, never, I've never seen that before. That's funny. I did, I brought, I did brought mine in too with that. And he was like, they had just come out the iPad threes, and he was like, Listen, I can get you a new one, but it might have the same light leak, and it might be worse than yours is now. So I was like, oh, I'll just keep it. I will say, which is kind of which is kind of weird because um, I, I don't I wouldn't notice that on a Mac I don't think but yeah. on an iPad since I well I used to use it when I was in bed right it's yeah. much more uh, it's much more prominent when, yeah you know dark yeah I will say a quick um, a funny story I do a lot of video production like live video and we have like Blackmagic cameras and Blackmagic um, interfaces and stuff like that and we were using these Thunderbolt things. And uh, we had some MacBooks that we were trying to incorporate in this live setup. And the MacBooks kept crashing uh, whenever we plugged in these Thunderbolt accessories. And so we made a Genius Bar appointment, and we literally went in with, like, huge racks of stuff and these MacBooks. And people were looking at us like crazy. We went up to the Genius Bar, and we were like, can we set this up? 
and they let us basically take over a table and we set up all this live production equipment and, and they helped us through it. I mean, they actually walked us through it. So kudos on them. But anyway, uh, the last thing we'll, we'll segue in the earnings call was Tim Cook announced that Best Buy is going to start offering Apple Pay in the app. And later this year, they're going to accept Apple Pay in the store, which is obviously in the face of there were going to be currency only, the um, consortium, the competitor to Apple Pay, uh, MCX. They were going to be MCX only, but they're going to accept Apple Pay later this year. And right after that announcement, the uh, CEO of MCX was ousted and they named, (laughs) shocking, and they named the interim uh, CEO, which is uh, Brian V. Mooney as, um, you know, hopefully to take over and turn things around. So I thought that was, I think it's a sign of things to come. I think Best Buy is one of the big names that were, yeah. in, you know, incorporated with um, MCX. Well, the Decker's guy, the the former CEO, he, well, when Currency first, you know, hit the uh, the headlines with after CVS and Rite Aid um, pulled support for Apple Pay, he was really, you know, pro-currency and, their policies and stuff. But then later, I think he pretty quickly um, backtracked and said that, no, well, you know, it's going to be an exclusive only for a limited time. Right. And then, you know, right. we're going to, well, they'll, they'll open up the stores to other, other systems. And then he went quiet for a while. And <laughs> I, I guess there's been some discussions, some, uh, yeah, some backroom discussions about, you know, what, what's best. Well, but I mean, I, d- I don't know. It's not like Apple Pay is is uh, making or breaking certain stores yet. No, but looking at currency, I mean, when it actually does come out, it's still going to be a pain in the neck to use. I mean, the QR. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be dead on arrival. But yeah, yeah, the QR codes and having people to register an actual checking account as opposed to a credit card. I think people. It's, it's going to be off-putting for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of the stores like supermarkets and retail stores in my area replacing their uh, point of sale systems to accept the chip and pin, uh, which is going to be kind of standard later this year for credit cards. Chip and signature. Chip chip and signature. Thank you. And uh, so I see them all. And some of the stores, it's the exact same model of the point of sale system. And some of them have Apple Pay enabled. And some of them don't. So I know basically every store is going to have a system capable of NFC. And it's just a matter of whether they're going to allow it in their stores. And I think, I think I'm sure it'll come to a head and it'll be more, it'll be widespread that they'll be able to accept Apple Pay, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all down to the, at the end of the day, it's all down to the processors. Um, if the merchant wants to accept Apple Pay and they, their processor accepts it, then there's no, um, there's no, extra Apple Pay related stuff, right? It's all standard. Right. It's so standard. They've stuff. they've got they've got NFC terminals and they say, okay, we'll do Apple Pay. It's not like they have to do anything else. I think that's getting to that point, the the point where everybody is equipped with NFC and they're comfortable with doing contactless payments is the hard part. Right. So that was the big news there this week. Um, before we oh, you before go ahead. we move before we move off of the earnings call, can we just take a second? Um, we're recording this at it's 5.53 now on Thursday. Yep. And Apple was down almost $3.50 today for reasons passing understanding. <laughs> well, it's all the, uh, yeah. it's all the shorts. 61 million, 61 million iPhones profit up 30% year over year. It's the world's well, biggest hey. company growing at double digit rates. And it's they, down. They, they cannot, they, they've reached their peak. 
It's it's all downhill from here. There's nowhere to go but down. You can't get an Apple Watch because they're out sold out till June. Um, yeah, it's, it hit one thirty, I believe, uh, a couple days ago. Yeah, it no. closed at one twenty five fifteen today. Yeah, wow. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what they. <laughs> I don't know what they need to do to uh, prove themselves. But how much? Let me see. How they have uh, the money in the bank is uh, ridiculous. It's yeah. uh, $194 billion in cash. Did you see the analyst who was... Uh, uh, wow, I just lost that train of thought. <laughs> okay. did, you see, did you see the analyst who was complaining about Luca Maestri and said that Apple should... Re- the, the reason Apple's not trading at a better multiple is because of him. And that the only way to restore Apple to its rightful place among corporations is to fire him and rehire Fred Anderson. Wow. Great. Good yes. stuff. That happened. Who is this? Who is it? Uh, the global equities guy who's insane. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I don't. Wow. His argument was that the borrow he he, the, he called it the borrow and squander strategy that Maestri inherited from Peter Oppenheimer has depleted Apple's U.S. cash reserves. And depleted. Well, therefore, I, shook, shooken, shaken, shaken. Wow, shooken. That was terrible. <laughs> That's a, it's early or late. <laughs> shaken investors' confidence, and so we must fire him and replace him with a guy who resigned in disgrace after a backdating scandal. Well, I mean. What are they going to do? All all huge corporations borrow to boost their stock. What are they? That's just what they do. There's really not yeah. much not much uh, clever accounting you can you can pull when you're at that level. Yeah, yeah. We'll ignore the fact that they would get taxed at the as Clayton Christensen would say out the gazoo <laughs> if they brought cash back from uh, from overseas. Right. Well, I mean. Uh, I think it, Tim Cook can find that that money in his uh, in his Levi's pockets, right. hanging in his closet. It is 171 billion dollars of it is offshore, yeah. of 171 out of 194. So, well, I guess technically it's in New York, but well, yeah, it's, it's owned by offshore companies. Right. It's um, it's funny that uh, I I don't know if anyone's going to spin it this way, but Apple is going to be paying. Since they did this, or since other companies do this, um, it could potentially be a huge windfall for for the EU, right? But that money could have been America's in in their in the U.S. coffers, as it were, if they mm-hmm. um, repatriated it earlier, or just you know simply assigned their packets to main office. Mm, yeah. So I wonder if they're. I wonder when the the naysayers are going to come out and saying that Apple is anti-American because they they cost. They already have. They already have been, man. It's years. Well, every, but, every every company that turns a profit and does business overseas is anti-American. for not repatriating their Apple money is, and paying thirty percent. Apple is spending almost a billion dollars building a solar farm in the United States, and they just spent three hundred and something million buying forest. In the United States, that that is not enough. They have to they have to <laughs> cancel a deficit. Come on, they're spending yeah. two billion dollars on two billion dollars, not one billion, but two billion on new data centers in Europe, and they have a new solar farm in China. Yeah. <clears throat> well, isn't the Mac Pro still manufactured here in the states? I mean, partially. Partially. Okay. It's, it's, it's assembled. Here. It's assembled here. Okay. 
Well, anyway, before we go, uh, run along, the um, last thing I want to talk about was Microsoft Build is going on right now, and they had their big Windows 10 announcements. Um, a couple interesting ones. Um, Objective-C, which is the programming language largely that iOS apps have been built on. Of course, now we have Swift, but uh, they're saying Objective-C, you can now, uh, and Windows 10 is going to support it, quote-unquote, and basically iOS developers can take their Objective-C code and easily compile it to become a Windows app. And also Visual Studio, which is Microsoft's developing development software, is coming to the Mac. So you can develop Windows apps in Visual Studio on the Mac, uh, which is interesting. Uh, and not only iOS, but Windows also said uh, Android developers, they can, again, port their apps back and forth easily, quote-unquote. And uh, I don't know. We, we Ported apps, you can always tell when an app is kind of ported for multiple operating systems. So I don't know how this is going to – it may get Windows more apps. I don't know why iOS developers would be motivated to do that. I mean, unless they just want, I don't know, more exposure. But I don't know if what about What about Minecraft? Like a real Minecraft? Okay. Well, well, but that was, I mean, that's, I don't know if that's built in something that they could then port to Mac or iOS. I have, I have two notes on interesting stories that came out of these announcements. Sure. The first is actually, to me, the more interesting story is that they are moving forward with the strategy of using your phone as a computer. Did you see that? Yes, that is true. So that's going to be totally awesome. I'm on board. And if they can actually pull it off and make it worthwhile, I will sell all of my Apple equipment and go. (laughs) Now, this was found Microsoft Insider. You know, this was done before. Well, yeah, it's been tried many, many times, but it's never been done in a way that actually is feasible. Right. And And it did, if you, if you look at the screenshots for Windows 10, a lot of the interfaces just look like, I, like phone apps, like phone screens and phone interfaces, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think it looks better than some of Microsoft's previous UIs, um, but it is very much you know, it just looks like a bunch of phone stuff happening on some the of the, desktop. Some of the stuff they showed wasn't bad, though. Um, their yeah. office apps, like PowerPoint, looked really good. Okay. <clears throat> I did think the Edge, that Microsoft announced that Edge is going to be the new browser uh, that's going to be replacing Internet Explorer. I think the logo is kind of ridiculous because it looks suspiciously like the E for Internet Explorer. Um, but hey, and it's same color, same, I don't know, Edge, they had, they had to stay with the E, I guess, Explorer and Edge, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. But They're turning into Ford. They're going to name all their all their <laughs> okay. uh, web browsers, starts with the letter E. Over the E, yeah. So My we'll second story that came out of that. Oh, yeah, I'm really, sorry. Really quick. Go. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Was a, after the event, a wire service story came out. And you know wire service stories just propagate all over the place immediately. Mm-hmm. And the wire service story contained the sentence in which it said, Microsoft also announced something called Objective-C. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did see someone tweet that out. and It was everywhere. Yeah, that was... That's amazing. Power of hit-and-run journalism. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Those interns have to be used somewhere, right? Yeah, I guess. All right. 
So that's the news for the week. Uh, again, tweet at us if you have questions about the Apple Watch or anything else that we talked about this week. Mikey, where can people find you on the internet? Um, on Twitter's, uh, Mikey Campbell 81 And, of course, on Apple Insider and Shane. As always, I am on Apple Insider. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Stephen Robles and follow us at Apple Insider. You can tweet us uh, questions, comments, things you'd like to hear on the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Also, don't forget to rate us and leave us a comment in the iTunes store. You can find the link in the post. And, of course, you can comment on the post or email news at appleinsider.com to let us know uh, comments and questions and all that kind of stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.